0: This is Frontierland with Dr Dean Allen Rodney and Lorna Drew are passionate about conservation More specifically they are passionate about big cats I caught up with them at their 6,000 hectare reserve in a remote location in the Free State about 30 kilometres from the town of Philopolis Along with the legendary wildlife filmmaker John Farty, referred to here as JV, they own a wildlife reserve called Tiger Canyon. Here they manage a revolutionary endangered species conservation project that aims to protect and rewild tigers far from their usual Asian habitat. Tiger Canyon, though, is no longer an experiment to see if tigers can adapt to African conditions, as over the past 20 years, wild-raised tigers have become self-sustaining in this environment. Just as Dr. Ian Player assured the survival of the nearly extinct white rhino by distributing surplus animals around the world, Tiger Canyon is looking to reduce the risk of of extinction of the Asian tiger by creating a sustainable population here in South Africa. Furthermore, in 2013, Rodney and Lorna reintroduced the first wild cheetah into the Free State after an absence of more than 100 years, thus preserving native and non-native endangered species alongside each other. It makes for a fascinating story. Enjoy. Well, Rodney and Lorna, what a special place you've got here. We're in the middle of the Free State, about uh, well, about an hour's drive from Philippolis along that, that dusty road. but. Uh, amazing scenery we've got around us but probably the most amazing thing of course we're surrounded by tigers. Tiger Canyon, it's got quite a story. Can you tell me a little bit about its background?
1: The tigers have been here since the year 2000 so that means over 20 years now and um, it all started with John Varty um, wanting to help protect the tiger Um, and he brought tigers in from zoo in, in Canada and also other tigers came from captive breeding facilities in South Africa and he started a wild tiger sanctuary. Um, we, we got involved much later, <clears throat> in 2013, we got involved when we bought more farms in the vicinity to add to the existing um, property, to expand it and also to introduce the cheetah. So we, we were the first to introduce cheetah, wild cheetah, back to the Free State in 2013. Prior to that, there were no wild cheetah in the Free State. So yeah, that's, that's the, the background.
0: And Lorna, I understand there's a, there's a real conservation concept to what you're doing here. I mean, Obviously, it's a beautiful place. I mean, you, have, you attract tourists here, but the primary reason is conservation.
2: Uh, y- yes, I think there's so many captive big cats in, the, in the worldwide who who spend their lives in captivity because land is becoming more and more scarce to have these animals free roaming, and as the human population expands, the the amount of land available for big cats is is becoming you know smaller and smaller. So, and especially with the tiger. So our aim here is to have like a model farm or a reserve that you can um, rewild captive animals and then they would be in a, in a position where they could be moved on to repopulate areas um, where the tigers and, or any big cat becomes you know, more and more endangered. Obviously, with the tiger, especially the the very endangered species, there's um, a lot of captive facilities where they're trying to keep the genetics alive um, and in in the Asian countries where the, the where the populations are very small. And so, the, the a captive tiger loses its ability to hunt and to protect territory and to um, defend its cubs and you cannot relocate one of those tigers back into the wild with a with a wild population of tigers because they will just be killed so therefore in this reserve we we could take those captive tigers and put them into an environment where they could be rewilded and they relearn to hunt and over generations, defend their territories and their cubs, and then those tigers would be suitable for populating new areas or existing areas should things go wrong um, in the countries where the where the animals are so endangered. Um, the you know like the Sumatran tiger and the South China tiger and the um, Siberian tigers, their numbers are very endangered at the moment and with the South China Tigers, there's no Tigers left in the wild. So we could possibly take South China Tigers and rewild them here, and a new reserve could be created in Asia or in their home countries where they would then be sent back and they would be very successful at, at you know, being wild tigers. Um, also, it's a, a role model for, for other reserves to be built similar to Tiger Canyon, because you know, in, it, it's probably unlikely that you know big reserves w- will ever be established because of the human encroachment. So at Tiger Canyon, we've got a relatively smaller land area, and it's very well managed and fenced, and we can manage the tigers and the population according to the prey species and the the, the land that they need. So if we take this and we could be a satellite project, an example to other projects, and then we could manage the genetics through either moving tigers from location to location, or artificial dissemination. Um, Then we could expand the the tiger population within reserves similar to Tiger Canyon, and it would also give um, the tourists a lot of um, you know'd be much easier for the tourists to actually go and view a tiger in a very you know wonderful setting and a, a peaceful environment where they can really get in touch with the, the the energy of a tiger and it's very important for people to actually see a tiger in this kind of environment to reconnect to nature and the energies and and that kind of thing it's a very powerful um, energy the tiger's got the most Powerful energy of all the animals, and um, this is very really healing for a lot of people to see an animal, a wild, beautiful wild animal in this kind of setting, rather than a zoo, because often that's all that's available to people at the moment, as tigers in zoo in captive situations.
0: Now, what what struck me was the fact that uh, how well adapted the tigers are to the environment. I mean, if you didn't know any better you'd think that this was a natural environment. Clearly they, they, they survive by themselves, they're fully rewilded as you say, and you manage it in such a wonderful way that there, there is a, a, a natural balance between the prey animals and, and obviously the tigers that are here. But we um, we, as I said, we're in the Free State, and um, anyone that knows the Free State, there's a lot of space. Uh, it used to be a very much an agricultural area where you, where you are. You've, you've almost rewilding the land as well. But it's by no accident that you've ended up here, is it? Um, you, you were looking at perhaps of doing this in Eastern Cape, and how did, how did you end up coming to this part of the Free State?
1: <clears throat> Look, the, the permits were here from early on, in the year 2000. So Um, They existed. When we tried to get permits for an exotic free-ranging predator in the Eastern Cape, it was around about 2011, um, that was something new for the Eastern Cape. And the department, in this case of nature conservation, battled with that concept. Um, So negotiations took about two years before they decided no, they will never allow an exotic predator to free range in the Eastern Cape. Um, And it was at that point that we realized the value of these permits and stop hankering after creating a reserve which is closer to the tourist center or, you know, the garden route of South Africa and rather turn the attention onto what we had and, and focus or realize the beauty of the land and how, how well it differentiates from the Eastern Cape, from, you know, the Kruger Park uh, areas, because these open grasslands are quite different, and, um, and, and then, you know, put all our energy and effort and money into creating something special here, even though it's not on the beaten track.
0: As a family, I can see you're, you're invested in this. Your own daughter and your grandchild now is here, living on the living on the reserve with you, and your um, your son-in-law manages the the reserve for you. How, tell me a little bit about your story. I believe you you obviously um, you came from Rhodesia, Zimbabwe originally. You settled in uh, Johannesburg. So what led you into this this world of conservation and ecotourism, shall
1: I say? I mean, how did mm-hmm. that happen? Yeah, that's a bit unusual, but. You know, we we bought our first 4x4 in the year 2004, uh, I was 44 at that stage, and it sort of changed our lives significantly, having a 4x4 to get around and to go to places that ordinary cars couldn't get to, and so the exploration began, um, month after month, searching for for unusual places and, and somewhere to be outside of the big city. Um, and the th- slowly but surely the thoughts developed that we would like to spend our, our retirement years you know, out of the big city perhaps doing something useful for society, for wildlife um, and you know, it took about maybe 10 years of exploration before we started to home in on this when, we, when I first read a, a book written by Dave Varty which is the story of a family who built their own game reserve, I then said to Lorna, this is what I want to do. Uh, with the, the money we've made in the mining industry of Johannesburg, you know, I'd like to become one of those families that, that built their own game reserve and, and are looking after an endangered species. Um, and it, it grew from there.
0: Lorna, I can I can hear your passion when it comes to the tiger. Did you ever imagine that you'd be uh, doing something like this in Africa,
2: though? No, never. And <laughs> I, I, I never even I I didn't. I always thought it would be something with with African wildlife. And I always loved big trees, and you know I, I love photographing and and I paint a bit and whatnot. And I, I the tiger never even. I didn't imagine it at all that I'd be doing work with a tiger, but I always say that the, the tigers found us; we didn't find the tigers. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, from Rodney's story, then once Rodney read the book, then we went to Londolozi because I'd never photographed a leopard before. And then Rodney, they said, "Well, have you, have you met J.V. and do you know about the tigers?" So then we came out here, and we saw a real need for. JB needed help he was very alone and and he was desperate to expand and you know find new land for his Tigers and then we started to investigate the whole conservation thing on Tigers and how the the fact that there's only 4,000 of them left in the wild is is really desperate and I remember the first on the first day we visited here, and I don't know why I said it to J.V., I said to J.V., J.V., what happens to these tigers if, you, if something goes wrong with you? And he says, no, they all get euthanized. It's in my wool. And I said, well, that's the most terrible thing I've ever heard. And so we then started to come out here as often as we could. And I think the second time we came out here, we were really looking for land that we could purchase to help him. And then we went to the Eastern Cap and we came back here and purchased the farms and fenced and expanded the population of tigers and brought in a new tiger for new genetics. And and we've we've now and then we built the lodge. We helped build the lodge and everything else. And now JV's retired back to Londolozi, and we're managing the reserve.
0: John Varty, by the way, J.V., is uh, is a legend in in, in sort of uh, wildlife tourism, but also in filmmaking. Um, I'm looking forward to meeting him at some point, and I'm sure he's enjoying hearing this story as well, because he's still very much involved here. But this has become very much your project. But also the tourism aspect is important and uh, yesterday I had the pleasure of visiting one of the most amazing lodges I've ever seen. It's overlooking a canyon as the name would suggest. So guests um, would have the opportunity to wake up and to have a coffee and to view tigers actually in a canyon in this amazing setting. Um, The challenge of course is your location as well. It's a benefit because we have the land and the space but of course we have to get tourists here, don't we? Mm. We have to get them here because we are two and a half hours from Bloemfontein. Correct. Um, so that's something you're going to address. So we're, we're, how how would you market a place like this? If this is your opportunity now to,
1: to spread the word to the world, how would you do it? <coughs> mm. I'd say if you are a big cat lover, if you are a serious wildlife photographer, then the two add up very, very well here at Tiger Canyon. The tiger has just blended in and looks at home and the colors of the free state together with the colors of a, a tiger work so well. Um, then then this is a place you've got to come and and be part of and see. Come feel the, the tiger conservation. Come feel the unbelievable phot- photographic opportunities and... Uh, and then you, you'll, you know, from there on you'll see why why it's different, and and it's it's something that is should be added on to a trip to Africa. Yeah, by all means, go and to one of the big five reserves and and get to see the African animals at home. But don't forget how troubled the tiger is, how much in trouble the tiger is, um, because the tiger lives in its home range, where the world's greatest populations are, where the world's greatest population densities are. So the tiger's in quite a lot of trouble in Asia, uh, with the humans encroaching steadily on, on tiger habitat. Um, here in Africa, we've got the passion, we've got the land, we've got the knowledge and the skills to look after big cats. Um, come see come see you know, a group of people who are passionate about big cats, and especially the endangered big cats, uh, looking after a, a small population of tigers.
0: And it's, it's nothing new in terms of conservation, because I believe there's a program that actually houses rhinos in Australia, um, so they're doing a similar thing, this is an endangered species as we know, the rhino here in in, in southern Africa certainly, which is, which is a major major crisis that we're facing. So this idea of removing a group of those animals to a safer space and uh, retaining the gene pool is exactly what you're doing here. So anybody that uh, perhaps questions the ethic of moving an animal from its mm. its native or its original location, there is a purpose, and it's because humans have, have affected these animal populations that we have, to, we have to look at programs like this. So it's very similar to what they're doing with the rhino, isn't it?
1: Indeed it is. As Dr. Ian Player was to the rhino in the 1960s, I think it was, so we picture ourselves being to the tiger in the the 2000s. Um, It's called an ex situ project um, and we protect a small population of tigers here in Africa, in case anything happens in Asia, and because we care, um, we think that another 20 years and the tiger is going to be even more extinct in the wild than it is now. Already there are more ca- tigers in captivity in the world than there are in the wild in the world. So you know extrapolate that, um, where will we be in another 20 years time? Um, the, t- the tiger needs land and needs a place where it can live natural, normal life, even outside of Asia. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really matter. when Once you reach only 4,000 animals left in the wild, which means it's gone through the endangered level, it's into the uh, critically endangered level, then we need to do anything we can to help, and not criticize um, ex-situ projects because they're not in the home range of the animal. Um, we think it would it's prudent to start a and to have reserves, wild reserves, as long as the, everything's done ethically and and morally, you know, suitably, and and there's no damage to the land. In other words, that the the exotic predator is not causing damage to the local uh, flora and flora. Um, as long as there's no damage or, or hurt to brand South Africa, then what's wrong with having a a population of, of tigers in Africa. In fact, it's, it's the right thing to do given how, uh, in how much trouble they actually are.
0: Well, I'm sure people listening to this will be absolutely intrigued by by the journey you've walked and uh, the future, which is uh, which is which is bright. I know you're investing all your time and efforts into making this the success that it deserves to be. Where do you think you're going to be in the next 10 years? And have you got a legacy project or s- someone to pass this on to? Because we don't want to be in a situation <laughs> where these tigers um, and their offspring are not mm. cared for. I mean, what is the plan for the future?
1: We would definitely like to be a, a credible ex situ project, um, known for rewilding tigers, known for rewilding any big cats. You know, in 10 years' time, we would certainly hope to expand this property substantially and um, and bring in other endangered cats, particularly big cats, uh, so that we create a an environment here which is a, a big cat game reserve as opposed to the big five game reserve um, and be an example to the rest of the world of what is possible and uh, how ecotourism can support a population of endangered animals um, so, so that it's not all for the indigenous animals of the land so that there is some land allocated to helping species from other countries.
0: Wonderful, Lorna. Can I just, can we just uh, perhaps sum up by saying, can you give me a, a memory of one of your most incredible kind of animal encounters? You must, you've got the privilege of being mm-hmm. around these wonderful animals.
2: I, I think we haven't mentioned the cheetah project. So alongside the tigers, we are also working with um, cheetah conservation through EWT, Endangered Wildlife Trust, and they've got a meta-population of cheetah which means they they help smaller reserves like us manage their cheetahs' uh, genetics by moving cheetahs and we donate um, cubs that have, are now fully sustainable and hunting for themselves. We donate them to EWT who relocate them to other reserves locally in South Africa and um, throughout Africa. And I think one of the highlights of, of, of my, my my time here was when we bought the land here we taken down all the farm fences and put in you know our fences on on the exterior and built this this cheetah area that we have for the cheetahs and we took our females out and we released them into that area and how they just ran <laughs> for for a long time and we followed them and because they were they were they were from captive Stock and um, when they were in the Burmese, we used to sit with them. We never touched the females because they'd never been touched before, and we believe they must have their own individual space. But because we we went in there, and a cheetah is a very difficult, different animal from a tiger. They um, a very they're a very gentle cat compared to the tiger, so we are able to you know be within close to them at a distance where they're comfortable and we're comfortable so we could walk with them on their first day out and photograph them and just how happy they were and yeah I think that's one of my best experiences
0: Well, what an incredible memory um, and you're clearly very passionate people very special people and you've got a a project here that uh, I hope goes to, from strength to strength I think what you're doing is is remarkable and as I said putting putting the free state back on the map in terms of conservation as well because it has been a place that has tended to been overlooked We know about what Adrian Gardner has done down in Eastern Cape in terms of uh, creating a a destination. And we all know about the Kruger Park, of course, in that region. But the Free State has a lot to offer, hasn't
2: it? Yes, I think we're very privileged here that we've got the grasslands, which is beautiful for the cheetah and for breeding prey species for the tiger and um, in our areas we incorporate you know grasslands for the prey species to breed and whatnot but the tigers lack more the ravines with the with the wooded areas and the, you know the long grasses and the bushes that they can because they a pounces so they can ambush their prey in there and because we we're along the Orange River system we've got a lot of rocky outcrops which are beautiful for the tigers and scenery and I mean people often say that um, you know, we mustn't put these big rocks in our pictures that we take of the tigers because they they think that they come from man-made rocks and zoos. But they, uh, this whole place is is full of rocks, and those rocks are real. <laughs> and all down the canyon, the whole thing is like beautiful rock formations and whatnot. It's an exquisite area for for people to come and connect to, to back to nature. It's got a vast, you know, different sceneries and landscapes and big skies and it opens your heart and it's a beautiful place to visit
0: i can certainly agree with that and i'm sure people listening to this will be intrigued and uh, your uh, your obviously your information's on the website there tiger, t- tigercanyon.com and i as i said i really wish you the best with the future and uh, you're certainly going to be part of my story when we're talking about conservation in south africa thank you again for your time
2: thank you, thank so you, much. you very much
1: <laughs> that was Frontierland with dr dean allen For more podcasts, visit algoafm.co.za.